Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. I thank you that this is not just a random place, but this is a place where we belong as a family, Father, and we belong in your presence. I thank you that here we can find healing, here we can find freedom, here we can come and receive peace. So I just speak that over each person today, no matter what kind of day or week that they're having. We thank you that there's peace in your presence, Father. There's healing for our body and for our mind in your presence. And I thank you that there is freedom from anything that we carried into this room tonight. So Father, we thank you for moving. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to every heart of each person in the room tonight that you would talk to them personally and specifically about what you need to say. And we're so grateful to be here together tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you guys can go ahead and take a seat tonight. I am thrilled to see you here. And there's one person in this room who is about to get a little bit of a surprise, okay? You guys look terrified. Did you take take a deep breath? We were talking about breath work in the lobby. Here's what I like to do. Ready? In through the nose. Hold for three. Out through the mouth. Hold for three. Repeat. All right, you guys are fine. Nobody's in danger, nothing bad. But our five minutes of fire speaker, last minute was not able to make it. So then I was like, man, should we just pull someone up on the spot? And I feel like all of you are like, no, we should absolutely not do that. So here's where we're going to compromise. I want to call someone up to share tonight, but it won't be a middle or high school student. Does that seem fair? If we pick like an adult in the room, does that seem fair? Okay. You guys look a little more relaxed now. I'm not coming for you. I would never do something like that, although I believe in you, and I think you could do it. So I'll ask this person, and I'll give them a chance to decline. All they have to do is just share, like, a thought God's been giving them lately, a Bible verse they've been thinking about, whatever. Does that seem, again, does that seem okay? Should we do, I don't know. I'm getting mixed feedback. You guys not want to? Okay. All right. Camper of the Year says yes. Steven, would you like to share a five minutes of fire thought with us tonight? It can be a 60 seconds of fire. It can be a two minutes of fire. It can be a thought, a sentence, just anything. Okay. Yeah, he's getting a personal hype session from Judah. Yeah, whatever your heart's feeling. Listen to your heart. You got it. We believe in you. Any thought, one good thing. Any happy little thought, like Peter Pan? All right, let's go. Give it up for Steve. Okay. Well, uh, we just don't record this. Keegan, I see you clicking something. Don't record this. (laughs) We're not recording any of this. Um, Okay, so I am going to talk just really quick on the importance of acting um, on what God's telling you, okay? So, strong start, thank you, thank you. Um, Me personally, I know that I will hear from God sometimes, right? And that can be a lot of things, a lot of times, sometimes it'll be like a little thought, right? You get something and you're like, oh, is that God? And real quick you might be like, mm, no, that's that's just me, like I'm just thinking. But a good way to differentiate it is, one, would you normally think that? A good example, if you're walking around 
and there's a friend of yours, and they're going through something, and you're just like, oh, I should, I should ask if they want me to pray with them real quick. And you say, oh, no, that's just me. That's not. No, you wouldn't think that. That's not something you would think. That's not something I would think. That's God telling you, hey, go talk to this person. Two, another way to know, does it line up with the word? Because if you just get a thought and you're like, mm, yeah, I should do this. God's telling me to, to go ask this person to marry me really quick. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. You don't know them. They're, show me a scripture that says that. It's not in there, so don't do that. Okay, so those are two things. But when you have a thought like that, it's important to act on it because when you're acting on it, you're stepping out on faith and you are putting into action what God's telling you and that'll get you sharper, that'll get you more attuned to it. Whereas if God says, go pray for this person, you say, mm, I'm not gonna do that. I don't wanna do that. And then he tells you again and you say, I'm not gonna do that. And then later he says, oh, you should pray about something else. Mm, I'm not gonna do that. Oh, you should give this person something. Mm, no, I'm not gonna do that. Eventually over time, you're going to start hearing it less and less and you're not going to you're going to lose your sharpness you're going to start to become dull and you're not going to hear that anymore and God's not going to speak to you anymore or well, he'll speak but you're just not listening once you say no enough times you know if if I invite Judah over and I say bro let's hang out and he says nah man I'm busy today I say okay okay sure sure and then next week, hey, man, are you, are you free? Nah, dude, I'm busy, I'm busy. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Next week, nah, dude, I'm busy. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Eventually, I'm going to stop inviting Judah because I know Judah's not going to come. He would never do that to me, obviously, never. But God's the same way where if he keeps talking to you and you keep saying nope and you keep turning him down and you keep pushing him to the side, eventually – you're gonna, he's always going to talk to you. He's always going to speak to you, but you're just going to stop hearing it. So it's very important that when God speaks to you, you need to act on it, and you need to follow what he's telling you. And there we go. There we go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Guys, wasn't that great? Steven, great job. I'll add one thing to it. It goes right along with it. I heard this this week, and I thought it was interesting because God has done this to me before, and I've been like, why are you doing that? Sometimes God will tell me to do things that seem really dumb and unimportant. Like, he's literally told me before, stop and pick up that piece of trash in the parking lot and throw it away. You think I want to touch someone else's Slurpee cup in a parking lot? I don't. There are times where I've obeyed him in those dumb things and times where I haven't because I'm like, that doesn't even matter. Why would God be telling me to do that? It doesn't matter. And I heard Pastor Nancy say it like this this week. God will train you and speak to you on things that are not important so that you can learn before you're facing something that really is important. Imagine this. I have a life or death decision and I'm trying to seek God, but I don't know how to hear his voice. I haven't obeyed him before. He's too good of a father to put me in that situation. So if you ever feel like sometimes God is speaking to you about something insignificant or kind of dumb, he probably is because he's teaching you, hey, this is my voice, obey it. This is my voice, obey it. And Jayla's five minutes of fire was kind of on that too of just like, hey, when you hear God's promptings, obey it and you will be filled with such peace. Do you guys want to know? Most of you know this, but if you've been in the quarry for a while, but then we have some newer people who might not. God used to do this thing to me in high school. He would tell me to go talk to people in grocery stores and at the public library and in like public places. 
So I assumed that I was going to, like, talk to someone. They were going to be interested, and I was going to lead them to Jesus. Well, this went on for several years, and there was absolutely nothing that came from it ever other than me getting the boldness to walk up to strangers and say something to them when God told me to. No one wanted to come to church with me. No one was saved. No one thought I was nice. I think they thought I was weird. There was it seemingly nothing that came from it other than, you know who's not scared to walk up to strangers and talk to them if God tells me to? Me. Because I practiced it. So, Stephen, that was so good. Let's give it up for him one more time. Thank you for responding even on the spot. I hope we recorded it. It was good. You didn't even trip over your words. All right, I have something I'm very excited to talk to you guys tonight about. It's a message called The Facts of Fear. Because I have noticed one thing that's really common in your generation and in the entire world the last few years, really, is just like a fear, right? We talk about anxiety a lot. We talk about, uh, you know, depression a lot, and rightfully so. But there's also just kind of this gripping fear, right? We all can become so scared about so many things so quickly. And I think everybody on the planet deals with this, but I think you guys are in a really unique situation where in your lifetime, a lot of crazy, uncertain things have happened. They said this about my generation too. I was born during a war. Um, I was alive during like the, you know, a really big terrorist attack. It hadn't happened in a long time. Our country went to war again. We had a, a housing market crash, which I didn't even know what that was when it happened, but a lot of people lost their jobs, lost businesses, had to lose their homes. There was a lot of crazy, uncertain things that happened when I was growing up. So when you kind of look at some of the data, you see it start kind of with my generation, really millennials, but then you guys have encountered some wild things in your lifetime too. Most recently, a really crazy pandemic that changed the way you guys did school and changed the way that your parents were working and changed all kinds of things. And I've noticed even in my life, even in the last year, there have been a couple times where just this fear has, it's like it just jumped on me and all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. And you know, it was anxiety, but even more than that, it was a really forceful fear of like, what's going to happen, right? We can be fearful about all kinds of things. Some of your families have experienced hardship, so you know what it's like to be kind of scared about money or scared about where you're going to live. Or sometimes we can be scared about family situations. We can be scared about things in school. There's, you know, all kinds of craziness in the news. One thing I never had to deal with was I didn't ever go to school fearful of there being a shooter or somebody crazy like that. And you guys have seen that nonstop in your lifetime. Uh, I think, you know, there's been so much fear just regarding racial things in the last few years. There's even crazy fear of being, like, canceled. And this is weird because in my position, I've even been a little, I've had to, to catch myself when I'm thinking, okay, how do I, like, say something without it going on the Internet and, like, blowing up and people saying horrible things, Right? Am I on the internet? Does anyone care what I'm saying? No. So first of all, those fears are baseless and a little arrogant. But at the same time, it can even make you fearful about your faith. Like, well, I know the word of God says this, but if I say that out loud, that might not be really popular. And I might get accused of things that aren't true, right? So there's just this kind of feeling of fear in our world. But tonight I want to talk to you about that because as children of God, we are not meant to live lives of fear. And so many times I've been guilty of just letting that come on me and really control my thoughts, even control my body. 
and I'm not, not doing anything about it. When God has made a way for us to live completely free of fear and free of anxiety and free from depression. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. What do you do when you feel scared for your safety? What do you do when you feel scared about your family? What do you do when you feel scared about your future? You know what I don't have a real firm grasp on? My future, if that makes you guys feel better. I know everyone is asking you, what are you going to do in the next five years? Just FYI, you might become an adult and you still might not know what you're going to be doing in the next five years. All I know is I'm assuming I'll be here and I'll be loving every minute of it. But I'm trusting God day by day right now. The Bible says in Matthew, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Just take care of today, and tomorrow is going to take care of itself. So that's where I'm at right now. But I have three quick points for us tonight on the facts of fear. And the first fact I want to tell you is fear is not from God. I know this is basic, but it's important to remember where things are coming from so that we can deal with them when they show up. Fear is not from God. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says it really simply like this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. And there's two things in here that I think I want to bring out tonight. The first is that the Bible calls it a spirit of fear. So when you feel that fear coming like a force, like I said, I'm not so much talking about like generalized anxiety tonight, but I'm talking about like when you feel that come on you and it's like a panic, right? We've all felt that, I believe. The Bible's telling us something important. Hey, that's a spirit, that's a spirit. That's why it feels different. It's not just something in my mind. It feels like an outside force that's coming. The Bible's calling it a spirit of fear. So we see two different kind of groups of spirits in the Bible. Uh, not the spirit of Halloween. Those are uh, probably popping up everywhere as we speak. But when we've kind of, you know, made the term spirit just kind of like ghosty or whatever. But spirits are actually in the Bible. The Bible says that God is a spirit. The Bible says that we are a spirit. So that's why when we die, we live forever because we're not just this human body. We're a spirit. But the Bible also tells us, us what we could, there's, there's good spirits, right? If we can put it in really basic terms, we would call them angels, but they're spirits, right? And then there's also fallen angels or demons or spirits that do the work of Satan, does that make sense? This is not a demonology class tonight. If you're looking for that, you could talk to my brother after the service. But <laughs> it's important to remember that, hey, there are spirits in this world. The Bible says that we have an angel, right, a guardian angel that is assigned to each one of us. When you're born, boom, you get an angel. So you have an angel keeping you safe. But it is also possible for the enemy to send a spirit to influence you just like God would send an angel to influence you. Or just like God sends the Holy Spirit to move in our life. The enemy will also try to send a spirit to move in your life. And one of those spirits is called the spirit of fear. So when you're feeling that force, you're not crazy. That's not just you. No, it is a spirit of fear. Now, we don't need to be afraid of it. This is exposing it tonight. We're going to talk about it. But realize that it is a spirit. And this verse says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And I heard one person say this. I would give them credit if I remembered who it was. But they said, peace is the mark of God's presence. Fear is the mark of Satan's presence. So realize whenever you're feeling fear, this is just the enemy trying to work in your life. This isn't you. This isn't even always based on your circumstances. This is the enemy trying to move in your life. Would you like to hear a really silly um, situation that I literally felt this in on Sunday night? You want, you want me to tell you? All right. One thing I'm really scared of is being outside at night alone near the woods. It has to be all of those components together. 
but I do not want to be by the woods at night by myself. I always think a man is going to come out of there and get me, always. What, there are these people I used to house sit for, and they had three little dogs, and they lived along like a wooded property, and I would take their dogs out at night at 9 p.m., and in the winter it was dark, and I was always like, there's a coyote and a homeless person coming out of these woods. One is going to get me, and one is going to get the dogs, and I'm not sure how what I'm going to do. Can I carry three dogs at once? Doubtful. Can I fight off a coyote? Also doubtful. Can I fight off a homeless man? It depends on the last time he's eaten. Maybe. I'm not sure. How strong is he? How strong am I? What am I up against? Literally. So I was leaving church on Sunday night. I was one of the last people here. And the other people here were parked on that side of the building. (laughs) And I came out on this side of the building to go to my car. And I came out and I looked at that tree line and was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, I hate this. I hate this. And I had a long walk to the car. And I had to literally say out of my mouth, I rebuke this spirit of fear because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And that is a silly example. That is kind of a dumb example. But in the same way, this works in every situation. When I feel that fear come on me, I have to recognize this is just a tactic of the enemy. This is not from God, and this isn't even from me right now. This is a spirit sent by the enemy, a spirit of fear, and I can deal with this. So remember, peace is what the presence of God feels like, but fear is a mark of the enemy's presence. So when you're feeling that, recognize, hey, this is something outside of me, and this is something that I have control over. Because the second fact of fear is fear will always try to manifest. Number one, fear is not from God. Number two, fear will always try to manifest. And if we look at Luke 1, verses 26 through 33, it's a little bit of a longer passage, but hang in there with me. This is the story of Mary, mother of Jesus. And it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel the angel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. She was confused and disturbed, and she tried to think of what the angel could mean. And here's what he said next. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And one thing I think is really powerful in this story is that this angel shows up to talk to Mary about what she's called to do and give her an assignment, and he says, Mary, fear not. Fear not. This could have been for a couple of reasons. Probably if she saw an angel, she might have been freaking out. I don't know. I've never seen one, but I feel like it could be intimidating, right, if you weren't expecting it. But second, he was giving her her assignment and a reminder like, hey, don't be afraid. Because I'm giving you your assignment, I'm giving you your calling, and I'm just telling you, you're going to want to be afraid, but don't. Fear not. And I want to say that to each of you tonight, that fear will always try to manifest when you're making progress and when you're moving towards your calling. It will always try to manifest when you're making progress and moving towards your calling. Why? Again, there are spirits in this world. We have angels and the Holy Spirit here to help us. But when we are moving towards the call of God, the enemy will try to stop us. And one way he does that is through fear. Do you know how many times that I have been afraid 
to do a lot of things that God has told me to do. <laughs> do you know how afraid I was to become a pastor's wife? Because I didn't think that's, I was like, man, but no one ever told me I was going to be a pastor's wife. So, <laughs> wow, this is really catching me off guard. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm the person for the job. The enemy will always try to send fear to stop you from moving forward into God's plan. So listen, if you feel called to do something, but you feel a little scared about it, you're okay. That's great. That probably means you're moving in the right direction. And as people who belong to God, I believe we can get very, very skilled at moving forward even when there's fear and opposition. Me being afraid shouldn't stop me from doing anything, right? Me being afraid shouldn't stop me from doing anything. Why? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. I have the power to do it. Love, I have the love to do it. And a sound mind. I have a strong, sound mind so I can do what I'm called to do. But I'm here just to give you a heads up. You will feel afraid. And that's okay. And nothing's wrong with you. And it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means that there's opposition against you because you're moving in God's plan. So the same thing that the angel said to Mary, hey, this is what you're called to do, and don't be afraid. That's what I want to say to you guys tonight. You are called to do great things, and don't be afraid. You are called to minister to people and to show people the love of God, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid at school, and don't be afraid at work, and don't be afraid in family situations. Your calling has everything you need in it. God has given you the gifts and the graces to do what you're called to do. And just because you feel fear, that doesn't mean that you're moving in the wrong direction. It just means that the enemy is trying to stop you. And I love that the angel came and said that, hey, listen, don't be afraid. Because God brings peace and grace for your calling, but the enemy will try to bring fear along with your calling. So if you feel afraid, that's okay. If you get nominated for five minutes of fire and you feel afraid, that's okay. If you have to speak five minutes of fire and you didn't even know you were going to be speaking tonight and you feel afraid, that's okay. If God tells you to pray with someone at school and you feel afraid, that's okay. If it seems like your family is breaking apart and you feel afraid, that's okay. Just stay close to God and remember he has not given you a spirit of fear. So the first thing was fear is not from God. The second is that fear will always try to manifest. So just get used to it. I've gotten very used to doing things afraid. It doesn't mean that I don't feel afraid. It just means I don't act afraid. <laughs> I just move forward. And it gets easier over time. But here's my last point and my favorite point is that fear can be resisted. Fear can be resisted. And this is how we move through it. In James 4, 7, it says this. So submit to the authority of God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. We don't use the word flee very much in our language today, but what is it saying? If you stand against the devil and you resist him, he has to leave. So when you stand against that spirit of fear and you resist it, it has to go. That means when I start doing something, I might feel afraid, but if I resist that, it will leave, and I can move forward without fear. So that's what I want to say to you guys tonight. You do not have to live life afraid. Fear can be resisted. And I'm talking about fear about everything. When you have fears now, and in five years, there will be opportunities for you to have fear. And when you're my age, there will be opportunities to have fear. This will be something you might be faced with for your entire life, but you can get really good at resisting fear. So it will maybe always show up, but it doesn't always have to affect you. 
We can resist the spirit of fear. So this verse said, submit to the authority of God and resist the devil. Stand firm against him and he'll flee. So how do we submit to God and how do we resist the devil? We do both of those things with our words. In Mark 11, I want to read something that Jesus said. It says this, Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I'm telling you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. And this is just one verse, but there are countless passages in the Bible that tell us, hey, your words are important. Your words have power and your prayers have power. So when the Bible is telling me submit to God and resist the devil, how do I do that? I'm doing that through my words and through my prayers. Would you guys like to know what that really practically looks like for me? When I was out there smelling the raccoon in the dumpster on Sunday night and I was going to my car getting scared, I said out loud, I resist that spirit of fear and Father, I thank you that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but you've given me a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. I was talking to myself and I was talking to God. What was I doing? God, I'm submitting to you and I'm resisting the enemy right now. Is it that simple? Yes, it is. Will you maybe sometimes have to do this 70 times a day? Yeah, maybe. I do it as much as I need to. I talk to God all day long. But I've put together a list of my favorite scriptures about fears, and I'll show you how I'm going to use those and how I would use those to submit to God and resist the devil so that he has to flee. And I didn't give Tegan all these because it's like a whole bunch. So you guys can just listen or jot them down in your phone or text me later, and I'd love to send them to you. But the first one is in Psalm 34.4. It says this. Listen to my testimony. I cried to God in my distress, and he answered me, and he freed me from all my fears. So you guys have probably picked up on this by now. I'm, I can be by nature a very fearful, timid person. Not in my personality, because I'm loud, unfortunately. I started quiet and shy, and then in third grade something changed, and I still don't know what it was, and then I haven't been able to be quiet since. But <laughs> I've always been intimidated. I intimidated. <laughs> I've always been timid and I'm easily intimidated. That's what I was trying to say. I've always been timid and I'm very easily intimidated. If I was just letting myself be me out of control, uh, I'd be scared of everything. Almost anyone can intimidate me. You guys could intimidate me. People who know more than me can intimidate me. People who don't know more than me, but they act like they know more than me, they could also intimidate me. If someone says something authoritatively enough, I'll be like, okay, well, I know what they're talking about. So I guess that's right. You know, that it, it is my nature to be easily intimidated. So this is what I started doing several years ago. I would take this verse and I would do this. I would say, God, this is my testimony. I cried to you in my distress and you answered me and you freed me from all my fears. I thank you that you haven't given me a spirit of fear and you freed me from all my fears. That didn't always feel true, but I was speaking the truth from the word of God. Not only was I submitting to God with my prayer and asking for his help, but I was also teaching my mind to think what he thinks about me. God sees me free from all fears because that's how he created me to be. That's the power that he gave me to be free from all fear. That was Psalms 34.4. There's another one I love. In Isaiah 41.10, it says this. 
Do not fear anything, for I'm with you. Don't be afraid, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured, I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, power, of victory, and of salvation. So again, here's what I would do really practically. I say, God, I don't fear anything because I'm with you. I'm not afraid because you're my God. You strengthen me, you help me, and you take hold of me with your hand, a hand of justice, power, victory, and salvation. And I know this is really simple, but I'm telling you guys, this is how I overcome everything in my life. These are the things that changed my life, just taking Bible verses and learning to pray them and say them. Number one, to invite God to work with me and to help me in that situation. And number two, to teach my mind to think what God thinks. Here's a couple more that I really love. Uh, Psalms, let's see. 23 verse 4, it says this, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, aka if you're ever in a rough season, fear will never conquer me because you already have God. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely because you're near. So when I'm going through something that's difficult, that's my prayer. God, I thank you that fear will never conquer me because your love already has. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear, and I'll never be lonely because you're with me. It's that simple. Just grab a couple verses that speak to you, and I do things like write them on note cards and stick them on my mirror like a little idiot. I do things like write them and put them in my purse, okay? Listen, becoming strong in faith it is not some magic secret or a potion or even spending hours in prayer. It's just a matter of taking God's word and like Stephen said, doing it. Let me think it. Let me say it. Let me pray it. Let me do it. And it is these things that changed my life that helped me to overcome anxiety and depression and fear. So I have one more to read to you tonight that you can take home with you. Psalm 46 verses 1 through 3. And it says this, God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble, more than enough, and you're always available whenever I need you. So I will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. And I've prayed this one in really hard times. I said, you know what, God, I'm going to fear no matter what happens. I don't care if my whole life crumbles. I am not going to fear. I'm not going to fear even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging roar of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode my faith in you. So I hope that this is encouraging to you tonight. I know that this is really simplistic, but I was really moved when I was praying for you guys this week and praying about what to share, just about this force of fear that just tries to keep people from making decisions, keep them from moving forward, keep them from pursuing great things for their life. I believe some of you in here, you're just scared to fail. You're scared to try things because you don't want to fail. And I'm here to tell you, listen, you can resist that fear. Don't let fear keep you out of what God has for you. Don't let fear keep you from developing relationships in the church. Sometimes people are afraid of being hurt, and so they just cut everybody off and say to themselves, well, listen, God is a God of love. And, you know, his family isn't perfect, but I believe with all my heart there are people in the church who are called to be in your life to help you and to love you and to support you. So don't let fear keep you from right relationships. Uh, don't let fear force you to turn down opportunities that might open up for you. Don't let fear make you intimidated to talk to people about Jesus. I truly believe people 
People want to hear about Jesus because people want answers, right? Our world is crazy, and people are trying to figure out what's going on. They don't know what they need, but they will listen to just about any option. And I saw a video the other day. It was so crazy. This guy was just asking people on the street, and he was just random people, and he was saying, hey, has anyone ever told you about Jesus? Has anyone ever talked to you about salvation? And almost everyone in the video said no. Actually, nobody ever has. And I was shocked because, honestly, don't we all just kind of assume at this point, like, yeah, people have heard about Jesus. People know how to be saved. People know about church. And I don't know what city this guy was in, but it was, it was really stunning and thought-provoking to see him stand there with a microphone and ask people, has anybody talked to you about Jesus? Have any of your friends, like, talked to you about salvation? And all these people just said no. No, they really haven't. And they weren't saying it hatefully, and they weren't like, no, I hate Jesus, so I don't want to hear about him anyway. They were just saying, no, no one's ever talked to me about that. And that was such a shocker and a moving thing for me and a reminder to say, hey, open your mouth and talk to people about Jesus. The worst thing that can happen is not anything bad at all, <laughs> right? <laughs> the worst thing is they can say no thanks and change the topic, and who cares? But don't let fear keep you from being who you were meant to be in this world. So thank you guys so much for coming and listening to me tonight. I'm going to actually pray for us as we close really quick, and then we're going to go outside and do something fun. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media 